Welcome to the Inside the Board Study Smarter series dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer so you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed on your exam. Hello and welcome to the Inside the Board Step 1 Study Smarter series. My name is Stuart Bryant and I'm one of your hosts. And today we're going to be doing an episode from Embryology Content. Uh, it's a mini episode from our All Audio Q Bank. This week is our Embryology Week, and I hope you'll find this material really helpful for your studies. Look for other episodes such as our excerpt from Crush Step 1, as well as our question dissection later this week. As always, thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. A six-year-old girl is brought to the clinic because of partial seizures. She has slight cognitive impairment. Her seizure onset occurred at three years old, and since then, partial seizures have been intractable. Family history is non-contributory. MRI shows bilateral malformation of cortical development centered around the parasagittal and mesial aspects of the parieto-occipital cortex. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? A. Bilateral frontal polymicrogyria. B. Bilateral frontal parietal polymicrogyria. C. Bilateral generalized polymicrogyria. D. Bilateral parasagittal parieto-occipital polymicrogyria. E. Bilateral perisylvian polymicrogyria. The correct answer is D. Bilateral parasagittal parieto-occipital polymicrogyria. Polymicrogyria, or PMG, is a condition that affects the development of the human brain by multiple small gyri creating excessive folding of the brain, leading to an abnormally thick cortex. This abnormality affects either one region of the brain or multiple regions. The time of onset has yet to be identified, however, it has been found to occur before birth in either the earlier or later stages of brain development. Early stages include impaired proliferation and migration of neuroblasts, while later stages show disordered post-migration development. The symptoms experienced differ depending on what part of the brain is affected. There is no specific treatment to get rid of this condition, but there are medications that can control the side effects, such as seizures, delayed development, or weakened muscles as some of the noted effects. This patient has bilateral parasagittal parieto-occipital polymicrogyria, or BPOP. BPOP is located in the parasagittal and mesial regions of the parieto-occipital cortex. This form is associated with IQ scores that range from average intelligence to mild cognitive impairment, seizures, and cognitive slowing. A newborn child is being examined for concerns of ambiguous genitalia. Vital signs include a pulse of 155 beats per minute and a blood pressure of 60 over 40. Genital examination reveals blind ending vaginal pouch and clitoris measuring 1.5 centimeters. Masses are palpable in the inguinal canals bilaterally. Serum laboratory studies are shown below. Sodium, 140 milliequivalents per liter, potassium, 4.5 milliequivalents per liter, chlorine, 110 milliequivalents per liter, and bicarb, 25 milliequivalents per liter. Ultrasonography shows the absence of the uterus or fallopian tubes. 
which of the following is the most likely karyotype and hormonal abnormality in this patient? A, karyotype XY with elevated ratio of testosterone to dihydrotestosterone. B, karyotype XY with elevated 17-dihydroxyprogesterone. C, karyotype XX with elevated 17-hydroxyprogesterone. D, karyotype XX with elevated ratio of testosterone to dihydrotestosterone. E, karyotype XX with decreased 17-hydroxyprogesterone. The correct answer is A, karyotype XY with elevated ratio of testosterone to dihydrotestosterone. This patient is presenting with ambiguous genitalia with normal vital signs and electrolytes. The mass is present in the inguinal canals, the blind ending vaginal pouch, and ultrasound findings all suggest that internally, the genitalia of this child is male. A Y chromosome is likely present, leading to anti-malarian hormone production to prevent the development of female internal genitalia. These findings are most consistent with 5-alpha reductase deficiency, in which the conversion of testosterone to dihydrotestosterone is inadequate, distorting the development of the reproductive system. The absence of the more potent androgen, dihydrotestosterone, prevents the normal development of external male genitalia. Given this presentation, androgen insensitivity is another possibility and may show a similarly elevated level of testosterone. A 25-year-old G2P0 comes to the obstetric clinic for her first prenatal visit. She took a home pregnancy test a few days ago that was positive and is certain that her last menstrual period started exactly five weeks ago. She had a miscarriage last year and is very anxious about this pregnancy. She asks if you can do a quick ultrasound to check and see if her baby's heart is beating. What is the most appropriate response to this request? A. Agree to check for her baby's heartbeat using transvaginal ultrasound. B. Explain that fetal cardiac activity won't be visible on transvaginal ultrasound until a gestational age of at least six weeks. C. Agree to check for her baby's heartbeat using fetal heart Doppler. D. Explain that fetal cardiac activity won't be visible on transvaginal ultrasound until a gestational age of at least 12 weeks. The correct answer is B. Explain that fetal cardiac activity won't be visible on transvaginal ultrasound until a gestational age of at least six weeks. The patient reports that her last menstrual period was exactly five weeks ago. Given the normal development of the cardiovascular system, fetal cardiac activity can be seen by transvaginal ultrasound at approximately six weeks gestation. It is therefore not likely that her baby's heartbeat would be visible at this visit. Fetal heartbeat can be heard using fetal heart Doppler by the 12th week of gestation. A seven-year-old girl is brought to the emergency department because of worsening abdominal pain that began yesterday below her umbilicus. She begins vomiting during the physical examination and has abdominal tenderness and guarding. The area has mild fixed swelling and is erythematous. Her temperature is 38.3 degrees Celsius. Pulse is 95 beats per minute. Respirations are 18 respirations per minute. And blood pressure is 100 over 55. 
A laparotomy is performed to remove an extraperitoneal mass from the patient. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? A. Ruptured uricle cyst. B. Appendicular umbilical fistula. C. Volvulus. D. Umbilical polyp. E. Incarcerated umbilical hernia. The correct answer is A. Ruptured uricle cyst. This patient has abdominal pain that began under her umbilicus and has since become diffuse regarding and tenderness. These symptoms and her fever suggest acute peritonitis. Of all the answer choices, the removal of an extra peritoneal mass would most likely be an infected uricle cyst that has ruptured. A uricle cyst is a draining sinus remaining from the allantois. It represents the failure of normal involution between the umbilicus and bladder. Complete patency is characterized by a persistently wet or draining umbilicus, whereas a cyst presents as a patent mass in the middle of the duct with closure at both ends. Uricle cysts may remain clinically silent, become calcified or infected, or develop adenocarcinoma. A 45-year-old mother comes to the hospital for scheduled cesarean section. Her latest ultrasound demonstrated abnormalities in her twin children. She reports good health but is anxious about the health of her children. She gives birth to conjoined twins. Which of the following correctly describes this twin pregnancy? A. Monoamniotic dichorionic. B. Monoamniotic monochorionic. C. Diamnionic dichorionic. D diamnionic fused chorions, E, diamnionic monochorionic. The correct answer is B, monoamniotic monochorionic. The chorion forms before the amnion, so the possible combinations for all twin pregnancies are monoamniotic and monochorionic, diamnionic and monochorionic, and diamnionic and dichorionic. Note that monoamniotic and dichorionic placentas are not usually seen as the chorion forms first. The degree of separation depends on the timing of the separation. For instance, a very early separation enables separate membranes to develop with two chorions and two amnions, and the twins may be fraternal or identical. If a slightly later separation occurs, there is a fused chorion and two amnions, and the twins must be identical. If the separation occurs at a very late stage, there is just one chorion and one amnion. If separation occurs even later, it can result in conjoined twins. A 29-year-old G1P0 woman at 26 weeks gestation comes into the office for a routine prenatal visit. Her vital signs include a temperature of 37 degrees Celsius, a blood pressure of 108 over 72, a heart rate of 88 beats per minute, and a respiratory rate of 14 respirations per minute. She's feeling well and with no complaints. Physical examination reveals a fundal height of 31 centimeters. The physician performs pelvic ultrasonography, which reveals a twin gestation. If division of the conceptus occurred on the fifth day following fertilization, which of the following most likely describes the chorionicity and amnionicity of the twins? A. 
diamniotic, dichorionic, B, monoamniotic, monochorionic, C, conjoined twins, D, diamniotic, monochorionic. The correct answer is D, diamniotic, monochorionic. In the United States, the incidence of multiple gestations is approximately 3%, but this rate has been rising due to advanced maternal age and use of ovulation induction agents and reproductive technologies. Multifetal gestations may be classified as dizygotic, where two separate ova are fertilized by two different sperm, and monozygotic, where one egg is fertilized by one sperm, which subsequently divides after fertilization. Monozygotic pregnancies are classified according to the number of placentas, dichorionic versus monochorionic, and the number of amniotic sacs, diamniotic versus monoamniotic, in the uterus. The chorion begins to develop before the amnion, approximately four days after fertilization. The amniotic sac, subsequently, begins to form eight days after fertilization. Therefore, the four types of monozygotic twin pregnancies are the following. 1. Dichorionic diamniotic, where it divides before development of the chorion and amnion, 0 to 3 days after fertilization. 2. Monochorionic diamniotic, where there is division after development of the chorion, but before formation of the amniotic sac, 4 to 8 days after fertilization. 3. Monochorionic monoamniotic, where there is division after both the formation of the chorion and the amnion, 9 to 12 days after fertilization, and 4. Conjoined twins, which occurs when division takes place 13 days following fertilization. In this case, division occurred on the fifth day following fertilization. Therefore, according to the sequence of development, her twins can most likely be classified as monochorionic diamniotic. So that wraps up the content for today. Thank you again for listening to the episode. Check back later this week. We'll have a couple of other episodes coming out, including our Crush Step 1 excerpt and our question dissection. Each weekend, I'm striving to put out a practice question rounds, which is powered by stat pearls. I'm hoping it'll give you some access to general content in a random order to help you prepare for the boards. If you haven't already, please rate and uh, subscribe to the podcast. It's a big help for us. Also, the best place to get access to our content is the Inside the Boards app. It's available on iOS and Android. It's free to use, and it includes the podcast as well as if you purchase a subscription, you can get access to the all audio question bank. We are taking previous episodes of the Step 1 Study Smarter series and all of our Study Smarter series, and we're cataloging them into playlists that are neatly arranged on the app for easier listening. So check those out if you have a chance. Also, like us on Facebook, and if you have the opportunity, share us with a friend who's also studying for their boards. Uh, You may do them a huge favor. As always, happy studying. Happy studying.